This is the Glow Up Podcast. And I'm Ms. Casey Carter. I'm Naomi Raven. I want to remind everybody to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Let's go! What is going on, everybody? You're listening to the Glow Up Podcast. We are still a part of the Soundcasting Network here in Seattle, Washington. I am Miss Casey Carter, and I am flying solo today. I want to remind you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to us everywhere podcasts are available and follow us at the Glow Up Cast. If you are a small business or you know someone with a small business, make sure to tell them to sign up for our Glow Gang Spotlight. This is where we give these businesses the spotlight to shine, get to know them better and see how we can help them and support them. And then as Mo always says, watch us on YouTube um, so you can see us instead of just hearing us. Some people like to watch podcasts. I know I like watching Drink Champs and those kind of podcasts because they're a lot more fun. So check us out on YouTube and make sure to subscribe. Shout out to Jarv D for being our guest last week. Uh, that was fun catching up with him. It's always so interesting because, you know, we have our relationship. And when we do things like interviews, we really turn on the like professionalism. And it's just always fun interviewing him. I have a good time. Um, and his new project, Black House Drop. So make sure to check that out. Turn it on. Get, you know, start dancing. It's, it's, it's definitely a vibe. Uh, shout out to our guest this week. Welcome, Miss Dr. Rachel Angel, the founder and CEO of Piro. So excited to get to know her. Welcome to the show. <laughs> this is this is pretty dope. I'm glad to be here for sure. Yes, thank you so much. Well, before we get to know you, let's hop into our weekly wins and lessons. Um, I'll kick things off. This week, I had another win. Um, I left my job. It was my last day at this job that I started working with, um, what was that? This year in February, it was my first job out of the pandemic. And I will say it's kind of like a win and a lesson. Um, it was a great job. I was working for a startup real estate company. I was doing what I loved, organizing businesses, setting them up for success, running social media, marketing, all that fun stuff. But it wasn't in an industry that I really cared for. Um, and I wasn't really doing anything for my community. And I had to be real with myself with that because I was getting paid pretty well. Mm -hmm. And it was really difficult to leave. Um, I'm such a people pleaser. And I just like, I hate leaving people when I know they need me. And <laughs> I had to like, get, have courage to do that. And it was such a great experience. Um, but again, I just needed to do what was best for myself. They're saying is dream big and live your best life. And what I learned about myself was this whole time as I've been doing this Miss Casey Carter stuff, I've been dreaming big, but I was not living my best life because I was limiting myself with my thoughts and not thinking that I would be able to actually do what I really want to do, which is helping creatives and talent and working in the music industry and things like that. But Lo and behold, the universe is looking out for me because I was I left that job and made that decision without knowing what I was going to do next. And I ended up landing a position at the Crocodile, which is a music venue out here in Seattle for those who are not here in Seattle. And um, it's going to be opening up really soon because they have relocated to this way larger space and I will be working as the assistant talent buyer. So I'm so excited. I started on Monday and um 
hopefully this is a lesson and an inspirational moment for you guys to like really just lean in on exactly what you want in life because you limit yourself by thinking you can't do something. So really, really excited for this, for this new chapter. Super, super big win. Do you have any wins or lessons, Dr. Rachel Angel? Ooh, I wasn't prepared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? Uh, this week has been really good for the company. We've gotten a lot of engagement, um, you know, from investors and, and, and companies and corporations really just trying to um, start something new, um, go, you know, start to approach things differently. So and, and really just taking a different mindset when it comes to people and the the kind of this mutual exchange of effort between two people. So that's been a big win. Um, I commend you for uh, taking that step. It's not always easy because most people will say like, I remember I was a pharmacist and uh, and I remember my grandma, she was like, you don't leave your job. That's a good job. You need to, why are you, you know, I think you made a mistake. And, and so just believing in your own abilities is sometimes one of the hardest parts. Um, and, and really just assessing the risk and just accepting whatever the worst case scenario is and keeping it moving. It's so scary, but I think, I mean, yeah, the universe has showed me they've, it's always had my back and you just have to listen to yourself. I think that's the hardest part is, and then sometimes you're like that voice is so suppressed because it's so deep. It's so hidden. Um, but, you know, to just well, the world kind of like psychologically trains you to function and think a certain way. And usually that training is in the benefit of someone else other than yourself. You know, mm -hmm. if the more you can kind of question things, question like whatever the routine thing is that you're supposed to believe, think and do. Um, the more you may find yourself as opposed to kind of this idea of what a human being is supposed to be. I love, okay, come on, doctor. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's get into our vibe check. Um, is there anything that you're currently vibing with as far as like shows, person, food, restaurant, anything that you're currently vibing with right now? I'm always... I'm always listening to music. I mean, it's like I, I don't really turn on the TV a lot. You know, um, I'm really a big music person. And so uh, I'm waiting for Summer Walker to go ahead and drop another. And she's got to stop playing with us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really on my like old school um, or older school. I don't know if you want to call it old school, but um, like the Holland Oats and like, um, you know, uh, next and all like kind of R&B. So I'm, I, that's really what I'm always vibing to at all times. It always makes you feel good. That yeah. kind of music. It just makes you feel so good. Well, I mean, it's kind of piggybacking off of yours because what I'm vibing with, I mean, this week it was Aaliyah's 20th anniversary of her death. And obviously it's been in the news a lot like with this. It's it sucks that it's like paired, but like this whole R. Kelly trial and then her album being um, her albums being available on streaming platforms. Um, so there's like a lot of talk about Aaliyah, but what's really cool is I discovered this podcast. It's called black girl songbook and it's from author and former vibe editor in chief Daniel Smith. And I guess what she does is she just breaks down her perspective and all of like the data and information she's received and puts together this like really great podcast on a certain song or project. And she did Aaliyah's one in a million. And it was just, 
it was so great. I love listening to those kind. I nerd out when I listen to those kind of podcasts because you get so much information. She had um, super uh famous but uh what is it choreographer natina robinson on there as well because she was really close with Aaliyah and she just gave us a, an, another perspective on Aaliyah because I feel like we didn't know Aaliyah that much and it, it's I didn't realize that until now like I didn't realize she was only 22 which is so young, so young. Yeah. and we just didn't know this amazing soul like we knew she was beautiful we knew she was talented we knew she had this like crazy world in the beginning but then like blossomed but we never really got to know her so it's just it it's it's sad it's bittersweet but then it's like beautiful at the same time so i definitely recommend checking out that podcast it's 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 a really good one so i loved Aaliyah. like that was like the person i looked up to like i wanted she was what i admired about her the most was that she had this crazy balance of like being a girl but not just being too girly and mm-hmm. Like I've always, even to this day, I'm like that. Um, I remember when she passed away, like I was in the kitchen just crying, like, oh my goodness. We all, we all remember. I, that's the funniest thing to me that like every person I've interacted with, we all remember that day. And I just feel like, I mean, she just, it's like she gets her flowers. We all love her, but I feel like we're going to see more of the appreciation of Aaliyah. So yeah. And, and the style for real, like I've always that balance of like not so girly but beautiful like oh i loved it i loved it too yeah all right perfect well let's uh get to know you dr rachel angel tell us about yourself who were you growing up uh, who, who was i <laughs> yes <laughs> who was um, young dr rachel angel uh well i had a um i had an older brother and a younger brother and so um, you know, it's crazy. I didn't really know who I was until I was like 16. I know that sounds crazy, but like when you have older siblings, especially like demanding ones, they pretty much make you be who they want you to be. And then you kind of, they leave the house and then you're like, oh, okay. I actually th- don't like that. Or, you know, so the big thing with my older brother, like he was really into sports. And so he would make me play like every sport imaginable. If I, if you wanted to play baseball, hockey, basketball, I know how to play them all. And it's when my older brother would force me to do this. And I thought it was cool. And then when he left the house, and that also was very tomboyish, you know, like this is kind of going back to the Leah conversation. Like I just loved Aaliyah because I'm like, okay, she's a she's girly, but she, you know, she's still doing her thing or whatever. And so uh that was kind of so I really learned how to kind of interact with men in kind of the friendship lane. And, and I kind of took on a lot of those traits because I was around my brother all the time. Um, and uh, and so when he left to go to college, I was like, oh, I actually want to be more girly. I actually want to do this or I want to do that. And I started to discover myself uh, once once my brother really, like, really went to college. Um, and as far as just like my household, it was it was weird. It was it's it's a weird thing too. Um, so we like lived in the suburbs. Like when I was like eleven years old, my mom moved to this into this big house, right? But we couldn't afford the house, and so like I remember we didn't have carpet for like a year and a half, two years, and you're just walking around on like you know. And so that was an interesting experience because it's like you're you're in the middle of worlds, you know, like where you can see a certain type of world where you know people are affluent and they have things but on the other end you're not really living that you know you're kind of you're still living in kind of the struggle environment that 
made the perception may be something else, and because we sometimes can live in perception uh, more than reality. And uh, and so I think that all molded me to kind of have these different perspectives on life, and uh, gave me really equipped me to try to navigate and navigate in a, in a way of having balance. So if I had to describe myself, I just say, you know, my life created balance for myself. That's great that you're able to see that for yourself, though. Like you're like, these are all different experiences and you're kind of like analyzing them in a certain way. And they're kind of helping you become who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do think people, you have to like do this introspective assessment of yourself. But I probably do it too much because then you can become overcritical and overanalytical of yourself. But everybody should like when people, you know, are constantly getting in arguments and they're beefing with this guy or this girl all the time. And and they're like, it's because of them. Actually, you know, the, the consistently it's been you and you got to have enough humility to step back and try to fix the things that are actually hindering you. Yes, I love that. Well, let's talk about Piro. Let's tell me about the the beginning process. Like what sparked this idea to start this app? Yeah, sure. Um, So I kind of touched on just like my childhood and, you know, being in the middle of, you know, looking like you have money, but you don't really have money. (laughs) And so um, when I was 16, my mom, she lived in North Carolina and my dad lived in uh, New York. And so I was staying in the house that we had moved into. It was like this big house, but it was no furniture in there. I remember I would sleep on a beanbag and and I was, you know, and I had to go to work um, every day uh, and go to school. And so um, I didn't want to be in that anymore. Like the hustle, this grind and hustle that I was in the middle of as early as 16 years old. Um, I really wanted to figure out how to um, get out of it. How, and, and I was exposed to other things. And I'm, this is like a bit of a segue, but like a lot of young people that maybe like living in an inner city where they're not seeing both sides of the world, they could be in that same situation. In my, in my situation, I was in that situation. I just was in it in a different type of environment, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm. I was exposed to different opportunities that somebody else may not be exposed to. And so you could be in that same situation, but not navigate it the same because mm-hmm. of what And so I think that for um, for me, like I'm looking at this path and I remember asking somebody in my class and she was a the valedictorian. I asked her, like, what you want to do when you grow up? And she's like, I just want to be a chef. I was surprised. I'm like, what you want to be a chef for? You getting these good grades? You should be a rocket scientist, whatever. So anyway, she looks at my face, and I guess she it triggered her to be like, well, my mom wants me to be a pharmacist. And I was like, well, why? And she's like, well, because uh, they make a lot of money and it's in demand. I was like, all right, cool. So I ended up doing that, following that path, based off of a conversation that I had with somebody in class. And so I, um, so I still, when I was 16, had to work a full time job and to support myself and uh, go to school. And I used to save up every year to go to college. And I went to college to become a pharmacist based off the fact that I wanted to do something different. And so the reason that I created Piro was because I'm looking at this. I'm looking at like, okay, here are all these things I was exposed to. Here's why, you know, these are the things I had to do from a stepwise approach to become a pharmacist. And how do I figure out how to communicate this on a wide scale to other young adults that or young people that might be in the same situation or the same thing 
um, same place as I was. Um, and it, and really, if you look at society today, a lot of young people, I think there's 22 percent of young adults that are not in employment, education or training. So we're losing kids left and right because we're not communicating how to navigate the world. We're failing them by not helping them navigate the world. And so I wanted to create an efficient, and effective way to do that. Do you think it's like the blame on schools? Is it the blame on parents? Is it the blame on social media? Because I do feel like my husband has a 17 year, 16 year old daughter. And then my friends, you know, their kids are growing up now and they're at a, they're at that age of like, what do you like to do? Who are you like? And we feel so disconnected. We're just like, dang, these kids have no ambition. Like when I was 16, I was out here selling blank, I mean, uh, mix CDs and stuff. Like, you know, I wanted a job and I, I had ambition. I do think that there was a lack of like direction, but I had the ambition and I feel like the kids these days, some like they either have a bunch of it and are like, doing their thing on Twitch and YouTube or they just have none of it. So who do you think not not to be like we blame them, but like, where do you think this is all stemming from? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Um, One of the biggest things I talk about is like we study history and the things that have happened in the past and you you watch how we change legislation to make sure that kids didn't work early. Like kids don't. And and then you hear a lot of parents say, oh, don't work. Focus on school so you can go to college. Right. And so here's this whole period of time where you're missing all these value development. Like it's, it's, I started working. When I was 12 years old. Like and there's other people that start work when they like eight or nine years old. And we didn't understand that, that we don't want to have kids getting taken advantage of. And there's ways to avoid that. But there's a lot of lessons that are taught. There was a kid that we placed into um a grocery store to do, you know, be a cashier or whatever. And she'd go to work every day. And then um, I remember the principal thought that I would be offended by her statement. Her statement was, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a cashier no more. And I was like, that's a perfect thing for you to say at this age. It should not be something that you say, say at 19 years old or 20 years old, because you don't have as much opportunity to pivot and look at your options. And so it's important for kids to start doing that earlier on um, and, and sometimes don't coddle a young person from learning the lessons that they need to learn because they need a job. You know, they need to go to work just because I got it. That don't mean you got it, little one. Like, okay. <laughs> so, And so that's that's that, that's part of it. And then there's a number of other things from a corporate standpoint. A lot of corporations pull back on the investments that they made within education. Education is so structured um, in such a way that it's really hard for them to um, make drastic changes quickly or drastic changes really at all. Um, and so there, there's a lot of things that are going on. Um, but one of the things I think is the biggest is this shift in um, having young people work earlier earlier than trying to get them to work at 18 or 19 years old. Can you take us through the process of the app? Yeah, sure. So um, we just had a release yesterday. And so what we do is if somebody is getting onto our platform, um, they're going to register and they give they, it gives you two options. You can look for a median employment or you can actually go through a kind of a career quiz process. And so during that career quiz, what we do is we introduce you to budgeting. So we ask you what kind of car you want. You know, do you want a practical, luxury, um, whatever? And then you pick it and we let you know that that should be no more than 20% of your budget. And from that that question, 
we're able to create a budget for a person to say, here's at minimum what you need to make. And then they can kind of set their salary goals higher. It's up to them. Um, and from there, what we do is we then take them through kind of this um, like swipe left, swipe right, like your dating um, opportunities. And so we look and say, hey, what industry am I going to business? You're going to retail music, whatever the case may be. And it's pretty quick. It's something that doesn't take long. And then from that, we give you pathways. We call them pathways, which basically gives you steps to get to your salary goal in the, in the um, space that you said you're interested in. So if you said you're interested in manufacturing and you need to make $100,000, we're going to show you how to, to get to, let's say, an executive position um, by first starting on the floor in the organization. These are created by companies. Like these pathways are created by companies in collaboration with government and state agencies. Um, and it, they're real actionable things that you can do. Oh my gosh, I just love it so much. Like my heart, like this is exactly what the, what kids need. The, I mean, you know, the, the real way that you're laying it out for them. Like, okay, this is the kind of car you want. This is what you want to do. Here's how to do it. Mm -hmm. I think we talked a bit, a little bit about, it's like, it's people just don't want to help provide pathways for people anymore. They, there's too much gatekeeping and it's like, <laughs> Well, I think it forces the conversation. You're right. Mm -hmm. so I talk to certain employers and they're like, wait, we don't really have that laid out. We probably should, you know? And so like really pushing that conversation and then they like do things like, hey, let me get, uh, you need three years experience to do this entry level employment job. And then it's like, all right, cool. If that's what you want, show me the step prior to that that they can take to get that three years experience. And if you can't communicate how to get that three years experience, then maybe you should take that out because there is no step. There is no way other than coming into your organization and getting the experience to do that. And so that's why, you know, it really kind of starts these conversations. That's incredible. I love what you're doing now. Congratulations on, you know, you were able to raise over $1.3 million from investors mm -hmm. for this app um, as a black woman. Was that difficult for you? Was that, was that more on your side? How was your experience with getting investors? Yeah, well, it's such a tough question because the, the reality is every time you walk into a room, there is a bias, you know, and there is not that that be, that is your reality, period. You know what I mean? Like that you black, you're a woman. That's it. You know, there's going to be some bias. Then on the other hand, um, when you oftentimes like especially minorities, we are often not given the same resources growing up that um, white people may be given, you know. Um, and so you look at like what was happening when I was a kid. I'm working a full time job and falling asleep in calculus class. There are there is knowledge that I'm missing in the middle of that, you know. And so part of also what makes it hard is the fact that you get set back because you don't have resources and you don't have information that has been easily accessible to you. You didn't have a parent that went to Harvard and was doing investments since you were watching them do investments since you were three. And so that stuff starts to translate when you start going into those spaces and you start trying to talk the language and, and all that. So it, there's a period of time of growth and learning that happens too, that you often have because of your background, you often because you weren't given those same level of resources. Um, but even furthermore, every day when you wake up and you, you're you a black man or woman or um, a woman, you're gonna deal with a whole separate set of issues 
even if you have that knowledge um, because of the environment that we work in, uh, the and it doesn't it doesn't stop with uh, raising capital. It's, it, it, it happens when you try to raise capital. It happens when you try to acquire customers. It happens when you try to acquire talent that comes on your team. Do they believe in you? Do they think that you can accomplish the things that you're saying you can accomplish? And so you it's always there. And you've really almost got to overcompensate for it. Yeah. So scaling back, what I mean, you know, when you were like, I'm going to do this app and and you had your business plan and everything, what there's so many different ways to start gaining capital. What was the the first step that you took to start doing that? I just started trying my well, the first thing is I got mentors that I thought were in the space and ones that's going to keep it real. Like one one of my mentors hurt my feelings. Like they told me I didn't talk well enough. They told me I didn't. And it was so real though. It made me really learn how to expand my vocabulary and improve the flow of how I spoke about the things that, you know, I wanted. So that was, that was one thing. It's really just getting some mentorship that's going to be real and it's really going to be invested in seeing your progress. The second thing is that I just started, I didn't try to wait until things were perfect. Like I don't need to wait until I got everything in line to go and talk to an investor. I need to go present to these investors so they can tell me how shitty I am. And then the next time, maybe they might not say you shitty, you work on this. And then the next time you might be okay. And then now you might get the investment. And so it's like, you can't wait until things are perfect. You just gotta have some tough skin and really know that if you knew how to be where you wanted to be, you would be there right now. So figure it out. Oh my God, what a lesson right there. I I mean, I, I was just talking about this, how we wait till it's perfect and it's never going to be perfect. So you're going to be waiting for forever. And I think what you said is so valuable because I've, I've, I've always been that way of like, I move kind of fast, but it, and I put myself out there, but I do that. So I can receive the criticism. I want, I do that. So I can see what I did wrong. I, I do that. So I can see how I can improve for the next time. Because if you, if you coddle things for too long or you hold it in for too long, how are you going to know what you're doing wrong? Yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, um, what's next for Piro? Mm-hmm. Well, there's some things I just can't talk about. Okay. <laughs> no, there's, there's some some more funding coming into the company. There's uh, uh, so some big deals that are happening. And, um, you know, hopefully um, we can continue to do that and replicate that across the country. Um, it, you know, it, it has been a fight pushing through the monotony of what every other, you know, government agency school system, you know, is doing um, because it can be very political and breaking through that and learning how to break through it. Um, yeah. So that that's that that's pretty much what's next. And just to kind of cop uh, to comment on what you said. I do, Sorry. <laughs> I do think it is um, about putting yourself out there, but it's also about learning how to get people invested in what you're doing. Like, you know, if you get a mentor or something that you're like, okay, this person's in this space, you don't have to get them right away to give you something. They could just have a relationship with you to the point where they're invested in what you're doing. And at the point that they felt comfortable with you, they'll help you. They'll progress you. They'll put you. But they're not just going to do that with any person coming off the street. You got to be willing to kind of 
build that relationship and understand strategically how to get there as opposed to assuming that it should be there for you. Oh, assuming makes an ass <laughs> you and me. <laughs> yeah. now, I will say like, so, you know, I feel like a lot of people, they feel while they're building, they want press. And then when they get on at a certain level, they're like, okay, I don't need press anymore. And I want to uh, ask you like, why is press still important to you? Cause you do a lot of press. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So why is press important for you? Um, I actually am very much so an introvert. And so mm-hmm. I don't actually like to do it. But um, what I notice is that um, there's a lot of people out here who are interested in what you're doing, you know, and it is really important from a strategic standpoint and a go to market strategy to get out here and put your name out there so that there's a level of familiarity, even when you don't necessarily have a presence in that place. And so pushing, you know, and getting your voice out there as much as possible is really important because there are a lot of people that want to support you and they want to find you, but you got to put yourself out there in order for them to do that. Yes. Well, before we get out of here, I would love to ask you for three tips on knowing the right time to pursue your dreams or passions. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So if you're, if you are somewhere right now and you, you go to work every day and every day you feel like you're not supposed to be there. That's, that's the first sign. Um, The second sign is if you have made an assessment of the risk involved in doing what you want to do. And in the worst case scenario, if you are willing to take that risk and take what could come of that and you would die happy because you tried, uh, but you wouldn't die happy if you didn't, then then that's the, the second thing. The third thing, if you're willing to do what, if you're willing to do the action that's not easy, that's not fun, then you know that you're, so I'll give an example. People always say they want to start a business and they'll ask me for help. They like, oh, I want to, I like, well, go create a performa and come back to me. People never come back to me because they don't do they don't they don't want because it's tedious. It's annoying. It's something you don't know. Like when I first I was like, this is tedious. I don't know how to do this. But I tried and I came back, you know. And so when people you got to know if you're willing to do the hard work. Awesome. I love it. I'm I'm so honored to be able to have chatted with you today. And I, again, I really admire what you're doing. I think there's 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 a lot of people who are doing what we want to do as far as helping people and getting them to to a level. But um, there's a lot of people who are not and a lot of people who do not see the value in in doing it. And a lot of the things I hear is just let them find out, let them do it. And it's like, why not be a bridge and help someone get to what they want to do in life or help them discover what they want to do in life? Because it just creates a better society for all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I love what you're doing. Well, Dr. Rachel Angel, thank you so much for joining us. Please let people know where they can follow you and uh, keep up with all the things that you have going on. Sure. Well, I have uh, my um, Instagram listed here, Puro Angel, um, and you can pretty much find Puro anywhere on any platform. So, yes. Where did the name come from? It actually stands for Peer Hero. So we talked about my peer in my class and so somewhat like a hero. So Puro.
I love that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so great. Okay. Well, you guys make sure to follow her and keep up with what she's doing. You guys make sure to uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us everywhere podcasts are. Follow us at the Globecast. Sign up for that Glow Gang Spotlight. And uh, check us out on YouTube and check out my website, MissCaseyCarter.com, for those helpful templates that will help you with your communications for show requests, press requests, and new music submissions, EPK templates, all that good stuff. Check out the website. And if you have any questions, make sure to hit me up. Dr. Rachel Angel, it was a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I'll be back next week. Bye, you guys. Bye.